0: And then after a few minutes, somebody spoke out uh, in tongues. They proclaimed something in a, a spiritual language. And it was different because it wasn't somebody like singing beautifully in their spiritual language. It wasn't even uh, them praying. It was very much they were declaring something. And, uh, and then the minister said, right, we're now going to wait for an interpretation And it felt like we were stood there for about 25 minutes. I was shuffling, thinking, I don't know what we're waiting for, but this is all a bit embarrassing, Uh, but we'll wait anyway. And we waited. It was actually probably about two or three minutes. And then somebody spoke out an interpretation of what had been said in English. Now, it was a long time ago. I don't remember what was said. But what I do remember was that this word that was spoken out was a real encouragement to the church. In that moment, I encountered both the gift of tongues being used, but also, in a sense, prophecy as well. And I saw it being used and exercised in a really good way in that church. It wasn't self-indulgent. The focus wasn't on the, the two people involved. It was just simply part of worship. It was positive and it glorified God and it built up the church. And it was one of those moments for me, aged 12 or 13, where I thought, hey, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and is working in this church through people's lives, is speaking into our world today. But since that time, I've come across the gift of uh, prophecy in a number of forms, And I think like some of the other spiritual gifts as well, there can be some confusion around this gift of prophecy. Uh, There can sometimes be fear around it, and in some instances, there can be some unhelpful practice as well. So we're just going to explore a little bit about the gift of prophecy this morning. So firstly, what is prophecy? What is prophecy? I think if we were to just simply describe what it is, it's God speaking words of truth through people. God speaking words of truth. All the way through the Bible, we find God speaks to people. Uh, He speaks to Adam and Eve. He speaks to Noah. He speaks to Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Deborah and Gideon. All the way through the Old Testament, God is speaking to his people There isn't a time where God is not speaking. He's reminding them that he is with them. And then we get to the prophets and God speaks through the prophets. Jeremiah, Nehemiah, Amos, Micah, Isaiah, the list goes on. These Old Testament prophets are given the gift of prophecy. But it's slightly different from the gift of prophecy that we find in the New Testament, these Old Testament prophets are set apart. They literally are physically set apart at times. They often live outside of the uh, community, the Jewish community. And, they, and their role as prophets is to go into the community and speak God's truth, messages of judgment sometimes, messages of challenge, messages of direction Messages of love from God. And through these truths, the character of God is also revealed to his people. And then we get to the New Testament, and everything seems to change quite radically. Because we see in the incarnation, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became fully present with his people. And so now, When God wanted to speak, Jesus spoke. God didn't need the prophets in the same way anymore. Uh, And Jesus declares that he is the fulfillment of the law and the fulfillment of the prophets. Jesus, in his very person, is the definitive word of God. Jesus is the definitive word of God. So, by the time we get to Acts and the early church, God has been fully revealed in the person of Jesus. And the rest of the New Testament just continues to help us to understand more of the person of Christ. So for us then today in 2018, we're in this awesome position of having the whole of Scripture available to us. 2 Timothy tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. God has spoken and continues to speak to us today through his word. We have a full written revelation of God brought to fulfilment and completion in the person of Jesus Christ. And yet, and yet. Even though the fullness of God is in Christ and is fully revealed to us through scripture as we read through the new testament acts and romans and ephesians and 1 and 2 corinthians prophecy the gift of prophecy is listed by paul as one of the spiritual gifts given to the believers to build up and edify the church so prophecy hasn't ended so why does god give the gift Of prophecy. Think of it like this I can know that John, my husband, loves me because he's told me. Uh, We publicly declared our love for each other and our commitment to each other when we got married. I have a piece of paper, a marriage certificate that shows me that. I have a ring on my finger as well uh, to remind me of it. I know that John loves me. But sometimes, even though his love for me hasn't changed, He knows that I need to know again that he loves me. He knows that I just need him to show me or to tell me that he loves me. And that can be a helpful image when we're trying to think about the relevance of prophecy today. There's some sort of similarity here. Scripture reveals to us the full character of, And the love of God seem most powerfully and profoundly in the person and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The Bible gives us that full revelation of God's love for us. It's there for all of us for all time. But sometimes God knows that we need more. And so the Holy Spirit sometimes comes and whispers these words of love and encouragement and building up to us as, ch- as a church or as individuals uh, through prophetic words and scriptures that he gives to us and directs, us, uh, directs to us or to other people. So simply put, God gave the church the spiritual gift of prophecy to continually remind us of his love for us and his presence with us. So we're gonna explore a bit more uh, about the nature of this gift of prophecy. Firstly, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 verse one, and uh, later on in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 as well, Paul tells us uh, spiritual gifts, and particularly the gift of prophecy, should be eagerly desired. We should eagerly desire it. We're to pray for this gift, to, to seek after it. We're to desire it, to long for this gift of prophecy. Why? Because like all spiritual gifts, they're there for our own spiritual health and also the spiritual health of the church as well. So firstly, we should be eagerly desiring the gift of prophecy. Secondly, Paul explains clearly the marks of genuine prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 says this, the one who prophesies speaks to people um, for their strengthening, encouraging, And comfort. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So any prophetic word should be comforting and encouraging. It should strengthen, edify, build up the church or the individual, and it should definitely not be used to knock down or harm somebody. Uh, I was reading this week an account, of a true account of a church in America. Uh, There was a man in this congregation, in the church, who had the gift of prophecy, and he stood up one day in a church meeting and declared, in a prophetic word, God's anger with the church. Uh, The man said that God had told him that the church was guilty of idolatry, and as a result of that, unless they got rid of the idolatry within themselves, God would bring wrath against this church. Obviously, the people there were horrified uh, by what they heard, and so the church examined themselves. They couldn't find any idolatry in the way that they were set up, Um, and so the elders of this church decided that it must be the pastor, that he was idolatrous. He examined himself. He couldn't find anything uh, particularly uh, that he knew was idolatrous in his life. But him and his family were sent away for three months to a healing retreat uh, to try and reveal the idolatry. After three months, the man and his family were sent back to the church, and the people leading the retreat were told that no idolatry was found uh, within them. This prophecy came to nothing, apart from a church that was so fearful and suspicious that the end result was that the church split and this man, the minister, um, left Christian ministry altogether. A prophetic word should be comforting and encouraging. It should always be the antithesis of the stressful, um, negative unbelief that dominates our world today and sometimes our churches as well. It's clear uh, from Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 that the whole context for prophecy is love. Dave reminded us last week uh, that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is deliberately put between chapters 12 and 14, an inspired word there from myself and from Dave, but that's because 1 Corinthians 13 is all about love. And that is the context for all the spiritual gifts. And remember too, the character of the Holy Spirit is to be a comforter and an encourager. And so the Holy Spirit will never tear down or discourage or condemn. So prophecy should comfort and encourage. Thirdly, a genuine prophecy should build up and strengthen the church a prophetic word should build up the church and strengthen our own faith in him it should help us if you like to lift our eyes up and see God at work in our life and in the people around us and in his church and in the world as well it should remind us that Jesus is alive it reminds us of his character and his love for us as well Um, A few years ago, I was at a Christian conference down south, and uh, one evening in the sort of big main meeting, there was a Bible teacher, and he'd spoken a a really great word, and he was speaking about witnessing and speaking the truth of the gospel. And at the end of the talk, he asked uh, those people who were involved in preaching and speaking the gospel to come forward to be prayed for. So I stood up, and, and came, you wouldn't believe this, but I hate going forward for things like this. And I stood up and went forward to the front. There were probably about 175, 200 people that got up and came to the front. I reckon I was one of about three or four women amongst all the men. So straight away, I felt like I stood out like a sore thumb. And we all had to line up uh, across the front of this big tent with about 5,000 other people in. And the guy that had been speaking went along uh, the line and he started over this end and he's put his hands on the first person's head and he just prayed, receive the Holy Spirit. And the person fell over in the spirit. Next person, receive the Holy Spirit, bang. Receive the Holy Spirit, bang. Receive the Holy Spirit, bang. I'm about number 175 over here and I'm sat there thinking, there's no way I'm gonna fall over in front of all these people. I already feel really obvious already. But I quite like a bit of the Holy Spirit in my life. So anyway, I was stood there thinking, Ooh, what's going on? Anyway, receive the Holy Spirit, bang, receive the Holy Spirit, bang, receive the Holy Spirit, bang. Received. Got to me, okay, over here, number 175, gospel preacher, put his hands on my head, and I'm there thinking, not going anywhere. Receive, and he didn't say anything. He didn't say receive the Holy Spirit, and I'm thinking, He doesn't think I need to receive the Holy Spirit or I'm not good enough to receive the Holy Spirit. But instead, he just put his hands on my head and he prayed for me for a little while. And then he spoke some incredible words of strengthening and encouraging into my life and into my ministry. He spoke some prophetic words over me in that moment. It was an incredible moment of comforting and encouraging, and building me up, and I didn't fall over. (laughs) A genuine prophecy, then, reminds us that God is in the house. It's like, it should be like God has come into our lives and switched the light on. It should be like God has come into our lives and switched the light on in our hearts or in the church. It should remind us that God is involved and he loves us. So prophecy should build up and strengthen and expand our faith. Fourthly, uh, we're told that prophecy shouldn't contradict Scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 29 says this, two or three prophets should speak and others should weigh carefully what is said. Paul encourages these early Christians that those prophesying should listen, should listen carefully and weigh up what is being said. In the Old Testament, uh, the prophet was like the one who had, if you like, the hotline to God. God would download, tell him what was going to be said, and he would then go and give it to the people, and the people would receive the message, in theory, without argument. We know from the Old Testament, there was a lot of argument, a lot of stamping feet and saying, we're not going to do that. They did what they were meant to do. But here in the New Testament, the situation is different. And people are given the task when a prophecy is given of weighing up that prophecy. God has spoken through scripture and by becoming the word made flesh. And so like all other gifts, the gift of prophecy is only part of the way that God speaks. It's only part of the way that God speaks. And so in exercising the gift, the person prophesying and those listening have to weigh up what is being said. We have a responsibility not just to accept any prophecy given as the word of God, but to test it, maybe with the leaders of the church, but definitely against scripture as well. If it's not in line with scripture, it can't be from God. Uh, when I was at theological college, one of the, uh, my fellow students, I think we came back from the Easter holiday, and uh, he came to see me uh, to tell me something important, and that was that God had told him that I should marry him um great I thought I have never even thought of you in that way we're just sort of remotely friends and now it appears that God's told you that I'm going to marry you. Uh, God had not said anything remotely like that to me and uh, to be honest the thought of marrying this chap absolutely petrified me. It would have been horrendous. Uh, And and I struggled to find any part of scripture that substantiated his claim that he should marry me. Uh, So I made it clear that I thought that perhaps he had misunderstood what God had said to him. Um, He then went and locked himself in his room for three days and didn't come out. Um, It was all a bit awkward after that. Um, (laughs) Sometimes it's, it's just obvious that a prophecy isn't from God like that one. But sometimes it can be a little bit more tricky to discern uh, whether something is from God or not. And Paul gives us some really helpful instructions in 1 Thessalonians five nineteen to 22 that can help us to work out if a word is from God or not. Firstly, he says, Do not quench the Spirit's fire. And don't treat prophecies with contempt. Some of us, and I'm one of these people sometimes, some of us can be really negative and dismissive about the prophetic, about prophetic words. We just approach them with a little bit too much skepticism. And we just think prophecy. That's the reserve of the wacky charismaniacs. But here Paul challenges us to go with what the Spirit is doing. Do not quench the Spirit. Don't always be negative. But instead, we're told to discern carefully without being judgmental. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Test everything around Scripture. If it isn't in line with Scripture, it's not of God. And thirdly, we're told to hold on to what is good. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. The implication, hold on to what is good, is that we should get rid of any word which is not good, which isn't encouraging, which isn't strengthening, which isn't building up the church. If it isn't, it isn't of God. We've got to remember that prophecy is fallible. Remember, for something to be good and encouraging, though, it doesn't mean that sometimes what God says to us won't be challenging. Something can be good, but it sometimes can be a real challenge to us. Sometimes we can read scripture, can't we? And we can feel challenged about how we're living our lives or decisions that we're making or some aspect of sin that God highlights, not in a way that we particularly like, but highlights to us as we read scripture. John Wimber said this, Sometimes God offends our mind to heal our heart. Sometimes God offends our mind to heal our heart. We might not always like what God is saying. What he's saying may be challenging. He might call us out of where we are into something new. And that can be scary and unsettling. He might challenge our understanding of something. But sometimes God challenges or offends our mind to heal our hearts. Let's go back to our fifth thing about the nature of the gift of prophecy. Fifthly, a prophecy should always glorify Jesus and not the one who is giving the prophecy. Jesus said this, John 16, verses 13 and 14. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes He will guide you into all truth. And verse 14, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Simon Ponsonby is one of my favorite preachers. Uh, He's based uh, at all day in Oxford, and he's a great theologian. He's written uh, written a really good book, actually, called Fire and Spirit, all about um, the Holy Spirit and and the Word of God and how they go together. But he tells this true story of how a university student uh, was on a trip, a sports trip, in Europe. And while they were there, um, his mates got into trouble and uh, were arrested for alleged rowdiness. He wasn't with them at the time, and he'd been at the apartment when this alleged rowdiness took place. But when the police came to arrest them, they arrested all of them, including him. And this young man was deeply upset uh, by the whole incident. He was really upset by it because he was innocent and he'd just been caught up in what they'd uh, been doing. When he returned to the UK, he decided to go to church. Uh, He'd slipped away from God over the previous year, hadn't been to church at all for the last year, but he decided to go this night that he got back. And the person who was speaking that day, uh, as they were preaching, they really felt God uh, lead them by the Spirit to include an illustration in their sermon. And it went like this. Imagine that you had been a student in Europe with the university boat team, not present uh, with the rowdiness, but got arrested anyway, and it went on. Most people there would have missed the relevance, but this young man, as he heard this word, was overwhelmed. He knew that God was speaking to him directly, and in that moment, he recommitted his life to Christ. Genuine prophecy always directs people to the person of Jesus, not to the one giving the prophecy. So let's just think about some more practicalities. How should a prophecy be given? First of all, a prophecy should be given in a fitting and orderly way, we're told, in verses 31 and 39. It reminds us that it should be done in such a way that everyone is instructed and encouraged we should give prophecies in a balanced, mature, and wise way as well. As Dave reminded us last week, uh, the more spontaneous we are doesn't always equate to the more spiritual we are. There is depth of spirituality in maturity and wisdom. So a prophecy, a prophetic word or a picture should be given with wisdom and maturity, not just throwing out words willy-nilly words that could cause real damage. And prophecies should be given in humility. Prophecy is not a sign of how spiritual we are. It's about you and I joining in with what God is doing. It's about you and I participating in God's ministry of reconciliation, of unity, of healing, and sharing the love and truth of Jesus Christ. And what a privilege that is. And so, because it's all about Jesus and not about you or I, it should be done with great humility. Uh, Maybe you, like me, have heard uh, prophetic words being given that have very much been along the lines of, Thus saith the Lord, or God says. It's very tricky to weigh up or test a word if somebody starts with, Thus saith the Lord, or God says. Because when that word is offered, it's been given as being 100% infallible. It's much better to offer a prophetic word in humility. I think that God might be saying, I think that God might be saying, or I sense that God is saying. It allows room for us to be wrong. And sometimes we just need to be prepared that we do get it wrong sometimes because we're human and this is a risky faith. And we should, as we've looked at already, always test a word against scripture as well. If it's not in line with scripture, it's not from God. Does it honor Jesus? And so words should be given with gentleness, with love, with humility. We offer a word to somebody. So, the gift of prophecy it's amazing, it's an incredible gift. It's supernatural. It blows our minds. For some of us who are hugely rational and logical, we really struggle with it. But remember that Christianity is a supernatural faith. It's one of those things, uh, prophecy is, where God can just put his finger right on our hearts, right on that thing, right on the thing that we need encouragement in at that moment. It's one of those moments when we have a prophetic word given to us where God reminds us how much he loves us. When you look at the early church, it's clearly marked by the spirit of God moving all over the place. Acts is the most exciting book. Read it if you haven't read it cover, you know, from start to finish. You see the spirit of God coming and shaking things up, moving, revealing Jesus to people all over the place. And they're doing that alongside and in line with scripture. God is speaking and showing himself to his people. And when the Spirit of God is clearly visible in a church, it's often accompanied by rapid growth as well. And so that means that we need to be open to the Spirit moving. We need to be open to Jesus moving in our own lives. The first thing that we might need to do is pay attention to our own relationship with Jesus. Prophecy flows from intimacy with God, walking with Jesus every day, eagerly seeking him, sharing your life with him, spending time listening to him. So where do we start? You might need to pay attention to your own relationship with God, as I just said. Pursue intimacy, get right with him, and then ask him for the gift. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, we're told especially the gift of prophecy. God wants to give good things to his children. And then simply say to God, what's on your heart? What do you want to say? We don't need to. I think some people think that you've got to like batter down God's door for him to speak to you. Uh, And we sort of go like, God, speak, God, speak. Come on, I'm here, I'm listening. God, speak to me. Come on, download, download, download. You don't need to do that, Okay. Sometimes it's, it's not like that. When I pray um, for a person or a situation, I will often just say, God, what do you want to say for this person? I might even picture them in my mind if they're not physically right next to me. And sometimes, just sometimes, God will put a word or a picture in my mind for that person or for that situation. And it isn't like a big megaphone like in the picture there. It's not loud often. It's sometimes like the quiet flutter of a butterfly's wings. It's sometimes just like the quiet flutter of a butterfly's wings. It's subtle and it's quiet, but it's just so beautiful that it catches your eye and you can't miss it. And then as you practice listening, you get better At recognizing God's voice and then we might have a sense that we have a word or a picture uh, that we feel ready to share with somebody as well if God gives us a word or a picture share it with the person it's for or say it to somebody else and say what do you think about this what do you think about this so we're going to just spend a little bit of time listening now should we just stand you've been sat for a while (coughs) We're just going to be quiet initially. And we're just going to listen to God. You might in your mind want to think about the people that are around you. You might know them, you might not. You might want to just say to God, what do you want to say for these people around me or this person to my right or to this person to my left? And listen to what God says. Sometimes it's the first thing that comes into your mind is the thing that God wants to say. You might want to say, God, what do you want to say to this church we're about to start a new strategy process we've just started it and you might want to wait for God to speak to you for this church as well if God says something for the church come and see Dave right at the end or email it to us but maybe if God says something to you for a person around it just gently uh, maybe mention it to them uh, as you're coming and going for communion a little bit later at the end of the service so let's just stand and let's wait Holy Spirit we thank you that you are here thank you that you speak to us today Thank you that you love us, that you want to be involved, that you want to speak words of comfort and encouragement and strengthening into our lives, into the life of this church and into your world today. And we just ask you to come and speak now in your power.